Um, I have three favorites. We are rule breakers. <laughs> Mike goes first, and the rest of us break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Does this mean you get four annual reviews? Is that what this means? <laughs> this is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. This is a bonus episode of the podcast. We are going to be continuing the conversation with the four authors of the book, Resilient, Child Discipleship, and the Fearless Future of the Church. If you scroll up just one podcast and wherever you're listening to this, you're going to see part one of the conversation. I would highly encourage you to get the full context and get as much of this conversation as your schedule will allow. I want to make something really clear that I think is probably already obvious to you if you listen to part one of this conversation. These four authors are not only experts in their fields, but they are incredibly passionate. And the desire is for us to come alongside you and your local context. You and your ministry are the best partner in doing the work of Jesus that we could have ever asked for. So thank you for what you do. You're gonna hear in this conversation some messages that I think might be directly for you where you're at, in your ministry, or just with the kids in your life. So I hope you enjoy as we continue the conversation today with Valerie Bell. You know, we get into this trap, I think, of trying to make it kid-friendly and kid-fun. We end up doing a lot of kind of spiritual entertainment that is not going to travel with them into the hard places of their future. Matt Markins. Well, there was a time in children's ministry when we could be their greatest hour of their week because we weren't competing with as many things. Now you've got to compete with, could they pick up their eyes from their phone and look at me for a couple of minutes? So it's a different, it's a different world. Chris Marchand. I don't even have an operating system to be able to run this. Like I just felt the weight and the, and, and somewhat of the loneliness down there. And I guess my, my response would be to the, just the larger Kidman community and to all the leaders out there that are listening to this podcast, you are not alone. And Mike Handler. I guess my hope for, for the parent would be like, my goodness, you don't have to do this on your own. <laughs> you can be with a community of people who love your kids, quite possibly even have more patience with them than you do. Also, friendly reminder that we recorded this in a different space than we typically do. So please forgive me for the sound quality not being exactly what you'd expect from this podcast. With all that being said, here is the Resilient Disciples podcast. I think we're asking of ourselves, you know, in... in Awana-specific questioning, um, is our approach discipling kids or have we set up some other goals mm. that actually put the child in the back seat? So <clears throat> Wes Stafford, uh, who's on our board and is a emeritus president of Compassion and has great advocacy and love for children, uh, asked at a board meeting once, maybe the most, or he stated this, maybe the most important thing that could be written in one of those Awana handbooks in the blank is, uh, not that you completed your verse from memory this week, but that um, we're glad you're here. Jesus loves you, and please come back next week. So um, that, to me, says kids before curriculum, kids before other things. And, and you know, we get into this trap, I think, of trying to make it kid-friendly and kid-fun. And we end up doing a lot of kind of spiritual entertainment that is not going to travel with them into the hard places of their future.
Yeah. Yeah, and so you've got kids coming through your program, but maybe you don't really know any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're just running your program for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's strange. But I think we all can stop and look, take a hard look at that and be brave enough to say, do we need to do something different? Well, there was a time in children's machine when we could be their greatest hour of their week because we weren't competing with as many things. Now you've got to compete with, could they pick up their eyes from their phone and look at me for a couple of minutes? So it's a different, it's a different world. But I, but I seriously think that there's, there's a huge advantage in the local church and the fact that do not underestimate the value of, uh, of a, uh, that loving, caring, loving adult being able to look at that tiny human in the eyes Mm. And there's something that you don't get through a screen when that transference happens of just, I see you, I know you, I understand you, I'm, I am here, I'm, I'm willing to be present with you and to love you. I, I, th- I think that many of, of our children and youth today would trade everything that they have for a moment to spend with someone who truly loves yeah, them. Yeah, yep. I really do. And I see it. And I think we see it through everything that, that pops through our news feeds and on podcasts, the heightened rate of anxiety and depression. Um, so many incredible factors that I, the, the church is positioned for this. Yep. Absolutely. Let's yeah, let's. I like so, that. Yeah, I like yeah. that phrase. The church is positioned. We, yeah. Yep. We, yeah. We were I made like for this. And so absolutely. Cause, it, cause like, it's rela- yeah. relationships that gives us a distinct advantage in the past. We thought it was entertainment that gave us a distinct advantage, no. but it's really relationships. Well, and that's absolutely, that's even what separates us from like, and nothing, not to decry soccer or anything else that, you know, like athletics have their place to be sure, but, but even that is based upon your attention that you get from that adult, that coach is based upon the merits of the talent that you bring yeah. or the practice that you put into there. And that's where the church completely corners the market on selfless care and love. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it, in all of our salvation stories, none of us did anything to woo God, to impress him that, that made him feel like, Oh, I, I've got, I can't miss out on Chris. Like Chris is, Chris is key. <laughs> I got to have him on my team. Yeah, for real. Like I'm going to draft him, but, but yet God in his mercy, you know, just loves us and, and it brings us into his family and, and adopts us in order that we would grow the family of the gospel. And, and that the church gets to personify that like that's killer especially as somebody who played five years of baseball and rarely got off the bench. Like, you know, yeah. Okay. Well, I just heard you say a phrase. I want you to talk a little bit more about it. Do athletics have their place? Or do you, they you might have, be asking the wrong person. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or do they have other places that don't belong to them? Well, yeah. I mean, to be sure the amount of time and energy and, just effort that the perhaps and I don't even want to necessarily use this phrase, but the average American family may you know put into athletics does seem out of balance. It does seem out of balance. Um, in our in our story, um, you know, we can't wait for basketball season to be over right now, <laughs> like because we need to reinstill Sabbath into our lives, and we don't currently have that. Um, and I don't think my wife and I, I mean, if Aaron were here, neither of us would say, oh, our kids are prime time basketball scholarship earners. Like that's not <laughs> happening in the Handler house. But, um, 
But there are merits of what they experience in basketball that I enjoy for mm-hmm. my kids. But we're also very like they don't they don't compete on Sundays. They don't like they go to Awana. That's our children's ministry of choice during the midweek. Um, so that's those things aren't up for debate. Do you think that the average Christian family though has a hard time having boundaries with sports or the some of these other? What, what's think, happening there? I think possibly, if if any, a, a conversation of your 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 family will end up becoming the culmination of what you program it to be, mm-hmm. and so it's so it's a matter of menus and choices. And if you think about it, like okay, say we're 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 all at our funerals, <laughs> <laughs> and our families, extended families, are all looking over. What, what do they want to say at the eulogy? What did we prepare them for? What did we leave them with? that's going to go into the future. And so I think rather than, oh, that's exciting or that's engaging. Yeah, let's do that and dedicate a lot of time, effort and energy to it. Really think, pause for a second and think through, is this really going to serve my kids well? Because mm. if it's, if it, there's a place for something to just be fun and engaging. And in fact, we didn't talk about this yet, but just the aspect of becoming, there's so much that kids can do in the becoming aspect of ministry on a basketball court. And it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But when it becomes a master of all of your time and it disengages you from those relationships that we just talked yeah. about and from just the belief in who Jesus is and it takes over your life, now it's, now it's becoming something that possibly isn't going to prepare you that well because of just how you're spending your time. And I think the American family, we definitely need to have a conversation about rhythms mm-hmm. um, and how we spend our time. That's the next book. That's, that's, oh. <laughs> the <laughs> that rhythms sounds, of child discipleship. <laughs> absolutely. Dad, sign me up. That sounds great. <laughs> that's a timely conversation. Um, and it's been going on for a while, but we, we also need to talk about that more. Mm-hmm. I would ask that I would challenge that parent to realize what time of history they're raising their child in and to, to, to look to look back farther. To, and if I were raising my child 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 200 years ago, what what would that life have been like and what would my priorities have been mm. uh, ju- just to challenge my thinking, to think beyond the expectations of the norms of today's culture? Because if we just go with what and, and establish the norms of every other family, we're going to be so tempted to yeah. get in the rat race. I've got to have my kids involved in all these things, but rather ask ourselves by doing that, is that going to really help my child grow and develop in a variety of ways? Not the least of which is, is spiritually. So I'd really challenge that parent to think, what are those long-term outcomes and goals for your child? And, and what would the pathway be to help your child get there? Yeah. My hope would be that, we're actually um, speaking to parents and saying that there is hope. Like to Matt's point a bit, you know, you you don't have to just kind of lock in on this society as is, and your kids are just going to be there. Like the local church still exists. That's still a part of God's plan. 
And Jesus is very clear of the fact that he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. And, and I guess my hope for, for the parent would be like, my goodness, you don't have to do this on your own. <laughs> you can be with a community of people who love your kids, quite possibly even have more patience with them than you do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think that, I think as parents and possibly even grandparents, like we can start believing that we're in this on our own and there's no one alongside us and this is exhausting and we'll never sleep again or whatever the <laughs> thing may be. And yet a healthy local church community um, allows us to to hear what others have to say about our kids, to speak blessing over them. I mean, even in the relationship, like, you know, Valerie, we've had our kids at the office. Valerie, you know, in, her, in the way that only she can do, she will say to me, like, Mike, your girls are amazing. Like they've got mm-hmm. this, this, and this on them. Your son, like he's going to, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. You don't have to worry <laughs> about this. I'm just like, Oh, good. Thank you. But, but all this stuff exists. And, and oftentimes I think, um, the, the lie of this culture is that you're, you're on this on your own. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the great treasures of a, of a local church is the fact that you do not journey by yourself. So Valerie, talk to that parent on allegiance. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking, you know, if I could say a few things on this subject to parents, I I would say be brave, uh, be courageous. Uh, don't protect your children to the point that they never have a God story. God never had to come through for them because you were always there padding their lives. And I uh, have uh, this hope because not only do we have the church, but we have God. And God desires to answer our children's prayers with fireworks. You know, he loves to do that. And that's where their God stories begin. We just chronicle them, them for them. But um I think from our children, our children learn from us what we really care about. Mm. And so uh, our our job as parents is to be sure that we have primary allegiance to Jesus Christ Mm. and that our kids see us willing to go the extra mile or sacrifice or go without or take that extra kid in for a while or these outrageous things that Christians have done in the world for thousands of years. When that comes to your home and you're a kid, uh, you can't ignore that. It's very formative for children. So um, I guess what I'm saying is color outside the lines. Get outside the cultural expectations. Do the uh, unexpected mm. Christian following Jesus thing. You know, if that means taking your family to the mission field for a short-term mission trip and everybody around you is saying, oh, you can't take those kids there. You take those kids there. Um, you do the thing that makes other people go, can you believe they're doing that? You know, because you know what? They, they're just average. They're giving you average feedback. You don't want to raise average kids. You want to raise these children who have primary allegiance to Jesus Christ, who will love him for all of their lives. Boy, if we raise generations of kids to their adulthood who have learned to love him all of their lives, this world's going to look so different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think for me, so I remember day one at a church. I'm at the I'm at the office in the basement. It's a just an ugly color of baby blue that the room is colored in. There's mismatched bookshelves. There's a desk from the '60s that is just so massive, and and I'm all down there by myself as a pastor of family ministries. And it's like, okay, now what? And I just remember being down there, and even when we were writing the book, like you, you know, you think about who who am I writing this for? And, you know, could, could write it for a, you know, a, a, a past, past self of my own just to go at that. I remember sitting in there going, what in the world am I going to do? And, and how am I going to do this? And what, I don't even, I don't even have an operating system to be able to run this. Like, I just felt the weight and the, and, and somewhat of the loneliness down there. And I guess my, my response would be to the, just the larger Kidman community and to all the leaders out there that are listening to this podcast, you are not alone. Mm. As much as the enemy wants to isolate you and cut you off and make you think you're alone, you are not alone. Um, and and in fact, here's a, just an unashamed you know plug: just to join join this group, join this movement, this cause. Find community here. If you don't have community anyplace else, check us out on Facebook. Connect with us on social media. Yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. You are not alone mm-hmm. because I'm sure that there's someone in your community that's that's feeling the same way, wrestling with the same things. And so I think this book just presents a, uh, I don't know, just a, a, a timely in, invitation to come and join a community, to join the conversation, to maybe temper some of that loneliness with finding belonging yourself. Um, I think that's so important. Mm, yeah, it's good. They belong to us. They really do. And um, we see them as so much more maybe than volunteers or Mm -hmm. people who got a kind of low-class degree working with kids. You know, we see them as uh, leaders and believe that they could be a part of a strategy Mm -hmm. to make a huge difference. And so, you know, when they start seeing themselves as leaders, they take on the responsibility of leaders Mm -hmm. and so who better to speak into the 1.7 attendance issue at church than the Kidman people? That affects us, you know. And if we do it together and we say that's not good enough and we start pushing back on that, we start pushing our pastors to start preaching it, uh, we begin to have a dynamic there. Who else is going to pick that up if it's not us? And so, you know, th- that to me is really important that um, – you join a place or you become a part of, you allow to be yourself to be influenced by um, a philosophy of kid men that has a strategy that is more than just national, it's global, it's futuristic, it's cutting edge, it's uh, thought leadership. Be a part of that group. Because when you do that, you become a leader by default almost, and you begin to pick up the responsibility of leadership. And when they do that, when they start picking up the responsibility of leadership, they can change the church. I think of I think of uh, cast the courage to cast a new vision. Mm-hmm. When you add on the 1.7 times a month, and then you add on Kara Powell's Sticky Faith Research that only 12% of parents 
are actually having any kind of spiritual conversation with their children, you have to be a discouraged Kidman leader, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're not coming to church very often. They're hardly ever talking to the kid. That, that's, that's a lone, to your point, Chris, that's a lonely mm-hmm. place to be. Yep. The kid, the, the, the future is cat, the courage to cast a better vision to help those who are already engaging with kids to realize we can keep running programs all the, all day long, but we've got to get on the let, like you say, Chris, we've got to think like a child, yep. think like today's child, understand them, have a heart to pursue them and know them and look them in the eye and high five them and build relationship, but to build a whole church body that says, we're going to be about kids. We're going to know kids. We're going to be relational with kids. And we want these parents to, to come along, but even if they're not going to come along, those who serve and who volunteer here, we are going to be so relational. The kids are just going to fight to get here every week. Yeah. So, so don't underestimate your identity Absolutely. in leading kids yeah. week in, week out. You know, I think that, and I think oftentimes we can feel reductionistic in our, mm-hmm. in our identity, yeah. you know, whether as parents or, or leaders in a children's ministry or whatever it might be. And it's just like, oh, does this even matter? Like, aren't I just providing edutainment or, you know, some sort of like just keeping the crying kids yeah. out and of the church? And I don't even like kids. Yeah. Like I've been voluntold to do this, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, yeah. no, don't, don't diminish your identity. Uh, don't diminish that part of your calling. And I, and because the lives that you're entrusted with, they matter. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing that I heard Valerie say is, you know, be a disruptor. Mm. You know, I don't know if Ross, we're going to edit this part out, but it's like, you know, you guys are, you're going to get fired anyway. So, so just like, seriously, go out with a bang. Like, no, seriously, because so much of our fear as practitioners keeps us from doing, I think sometimes the things that God has called us to do. Mm. Um, to have those higher level conversations, Matt, like you were saying, like bring this needs to go to the desk of your senior pastor. Have any this of needs us to go out with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Raise your hands. Wait, that's, that's episode two. That's, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll touch. Go, okay, I interrupted well, you. You're saying something important. Go well, to your senior pastor. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Be, but but be be brave. Because Valerie, you said earlier, be courageous enough. Be brave enough to have a fresh, rebooted conversation mm-hmm. on children's ministry, because I think the thing that we all agree around this table is that the child influencers are the civil engineers of civilization. Mm-hmm. Say that again. The child influencers are the civil engineers of civilization. That they are the ones there he goes who again. are creating. Wow. That's powerful. Doesn't like because, and I think we talk about this in this book that you know our kids are that that letter we send into the future. Mm-hmm. Did you make mm-hmm. that up? <laughs> I just, no. Did you just make that I just up? made that up. <laughs> it's, it's a poster. We're going to get the poster. It's something that's in the generic water. <laughs> Nondescript water. You know, I, th- I thought of one other thing, Chris, while you were talking. Yeah. Like, perhaps, and I've heard you say this before too, Valerie, perhaps we can say on behalf of the Kidman leader what maybe you can't say to the parent. But when you add on the 1.7 times a month engagement, only 12% of parents are even having spiritual conversations uh, with those children. Uh, par- parents, take a look at what your schedule looks like with mm. your kids. Mm. And is that schedule that you're maintaining, is that schedule going to produce or influence long-term discipleship in the lives of your kids? And if, you, and if you're so programmed with all these other things and you have yeah. no time for a relationship with your kids and no yeah. time for spiritual conversations with your kids, is that a vision you're okay with? You know, yeah. you need to, you need to encourage parents to step back and, and look, look farther down the field and, totally. and have a better vision. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh.
Okay, I'll go I, first. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I've got mine too. You go first though. Yeah, this is this is what this is why I'm in the process because I'm always the one who they make go first on these things. Um, <laughs> chapter five, fire carriers. Oh, rats! That's what happens mine. when you don't go first, friend. <laughs> um, no, I think um, I think it. I think it really. I have a hard time picking. <laughs> <laughs> I think chapter five. Um, first of all, I think it's written beautifully, and um, there, there's that. I also think that in chapter five, what what we're envisioning the the leader toward is beautiful, and then I think the the charge at the end of chapter five is so well written and just so on the nose and so courageous and, and calling people to a courageous understanding of the fact that ministry to children and youth is an investment. It's like what Chris said. It, it is, it is the civil engineering of the future civilization. Right. And, and I think chapter five mm. just does it so beautifully and so well, and it's just constructed with such great rhythm and, and, yeah, it's done really, really well. That's my favorite part of the book. And that's what happens when you go first. You get the pick. <laughs> well, I always like to break the rules, so I'm going to give you two. So, uh, But I, th- I, think of, I think of the burning platform and what we're jumping to, right? Uh, so the burning platform of, of what, what do we know is going away that causes us to have to leap to something else? The burning platform is, thank you, Bernie Sanders. You know, the, the, the wonderful illustration here. Uh, where Senator Sanders is interviewing someone for an office in the United States government, um, and is basically basically telling him, because you are a Bible believing Christian, uh, you're not fit for office. And Valerie so very clearly makes the point here that 2050, the future where the church could be increasingly marginalized, is already here today. Are you going to be ready for that? Are we going to prepare kids for that future? That's a burning platform. That that should be a signal to the church that. We need to do some things differently now to prepare kids for a different future. So, so to match that, uh, Valerie told the story of uh, could could ra- radical love have saved Nicholas Cruz? And I, th- I think you're beginning to show the reader in the front por- part of the book that it is the love of the church. The, the fact that a child can see something that's different about Chris. I'm not quite sure what it is yet, but I like it, and I want to I want to be Chris's friend. And through that relationship. I'm going to see Jesus and I'm going to learn to love him for the rest of my life. Like that's describing uh, where, where the church is headed, uh, but we're really nudging the church along to say uh, this, this is who we need to be mm-hmm. as a people. Mm. Well, see, now he picked mine. Uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to break the rules and I'm going to say two, because I, I think the two chapters, cause I see them also as a, a non-sequential pairing. It's first is the radical, you know, the radical love of saving Nicholas Cruz because it's so, a Parkland shooter. It's a park, yeah, yeah, the Parkland, Parkland shooter. shooter. Yep, um, Florida. Because I have my, I have my, you know, at least one of my daughters coming into my house talking about this stuff. The, the things that we think that are so disconnected from, they are from culture. No, they're talking about this at the lunch table. Um, and so, but I think if, if that chapter didn't also come across the is Kidman working chapter mm-hmm. in the book. Cause I think that those two are strongly connected to one another in the sense that look, we're going to keep seeing more of this happen in culture. If we don't change the playbook, mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. so these two things that we think are so disconnected, they're actually more jointed than we realize. And I, I think the more kids, just a, a complete different palette of children coming into our ministry, we're going to need to make some shifts in order to reach them, to equip them, to love them differently, to love them in ways that probably we, we weren't, no one even thought to love us in. Um, and that the call of the, just the average Kidman worker to kind of upgrade their game a little bit is going to be needed. So those, I just, those are some of my favorites from the book. Mm, It's good. It's fun to hear. Um, I have three favorites. We are rule breakers. Mike goes first and the rest of us break the rules. <laughs> Does this mean you get four annual reviews? Is that what this means? I, I love the way that first chapter came together. And it actually threw some light on my own life that I hadn't really worked through before. But seeing that boy, I, he gave me hope that we didn't write this book in vain. That there are kids out there that God's doing a work in their lives. And, um, and for myself, you know, it answered the question, why did I stay? Because there's certainly a lot of downsides to my Christian pathway. <laughs> but at the same time, there was the belonging and uh, identification with something other than a lot of the stuff during my teenage years that was angry and um, in your face and searching and going down all different kinds of paths. So to me, you know, the way that first chapter came together at the end, it was like God said, it's going to be all right. And you have a part in this. And that first chapter ends with this dream uh, that Reese, he's nine now, he just had a birthday last week, but he was six at the time. He said, have you ever heard God talk to you? And I said, no. And I'm getting suspicious of why we're having this conversation. <laughs> anyway, he ends up telling me that God talked to him. Now, I know people have theological issues with this, but this is my story, and this is my lane. And in my story and in my lane, my grandson heard God's voice. Now, in your story, in your lane, your grandson didn't. <laughs> so you tell that story where you want. <laughs> I'm telling this story. You write your book. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little feisty today. <laughs> I have a strong openness to children's spirituality Mm -hmm. and I think it's biblical but anyway I I just realized you know the pieces came together for me that my grandson I was supposed to hear that and I was supposed to say to a generation of children, God wants you to love Jesus for the rest of your lives. So be identified, you know, take the discipleship pathway, be the soldiers, be the, the odd one out there. So that I loved how that came together. Um, I loved what Matt did uh, describing the difference between kid men and discipleship. I think that's going to be so incredibly helpful for people. And it was a chapter I couldn't write. It just was not my chapter to write. And Matt came in and wrote that, and it was clear, and I think, oh, that's going to help so many people. And then the third thing I loved was um, at the very end of the book, there's this description of the church. Yeah. And it's so beautiful, and it hits such a longing place 
the community that's it's beautifully written the community that's there and the art that's everywhere and the expression of God's life through this body uh, the way they worship together and how their children are included in all of that you know um and the very last line is, Welcome to the Church of 2050, where people have been loving Jesus for their whole lives. I want that for my kids. And I know we all want that for our kids, but it was a great picture. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. All of this is to accomplish our mission of equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making this podcast happen. Go to resilientdisciples.com for resources and many more of these conversations.